This is the L3 Leadership Podcast, episode number 118. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 118 of the L3 Leadership Podcast. My name is Doug Smith, and I'm the founder of L3 Leadership. We're a leadership development company devoted to helping you become the best leader that you can be. If you're new to this podcast, we're committed to bringing you at least three episodes each month. One will be from our leadership events that we host throughout our city. One will be an interview I do with a high-level leader. And then once a month, you'll get a personal leadership lesson by me. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I'd really appreciate it if you would jump on iTunes and leave a rating and review for us. Uh, it really is encouraging to hear how the podcast has impacted you, and it really helps us grow our audience organically. So I'd really appreciate a rating and review if you've been added, if we've added value to your life through this podcast. I want to thank our sponsors, Bab Inc. They're an insurance broker, third-party administrator, and consulting firm here in Pittsburgh, and they do work in Pennsylvania and all across the country, and they're led by my friend Russell Livingston, who's a phenomenal leader and really developing a culture of leadership development within his company. Um, he is. Uh, there's a lot of young leaders on his team, and they are all hungry to grow to their maximum potential. It's really exciting to watch, and they're just doing some really, really neat things within their organization. So I encourage you to check them out on the web at babbins.com. That's B-A-B-B-I-N-S.com, and you can learn more about the great work that they do. This specific episode comes to you from our breakfast series, and we always break our breakfast series talks into two parts, and we had the privilege of having our, um, our Denny Patton, who's the founder of Silver Ring Thing, with us this month, and uh, I'll talk about him in a second, but again, we broke this his talk into two parts. One is his actual talk, which you can listen to in episode 117, and if you haven't listened to that, we encourage you to go back and listen to it, and in this episode, you'll get to hear our question and answer session with Denny, um, which was, was super valuable as well, and so uh, a little bit about Denny. Denny, as I mentioned, he's the founder of Silver Ring Thing. If you're unfamiliar with them, they're a purity program that puts on events all over the world to teach students about purity. I know that my wife and I personally were impacted by their ministry. Um, they get students to commit to staying sexually pure uh, prior to marriage, and, and they get a ring on their finger, and then the, the hope is that on their wedding day, they'll exchange the ring with their spouse. And my wife and I did that. It was extremely meaningful. Uh, but Silver Ring Thing has reached over 600,000 students around the world, and uh, they're just doing some incredible work. And if you'd like to learn more about Silver Ring Thing beyond what Denny says, or if you'd like to support them financially or any other way, you can go to SilverRingThing.com. I'll spout out that SilverRingThing.com. So that being said, let's jump right into the Q&A with Denny, and I'll be back with a few announcements. Hi, my, oh, okay. Hi, my name is Josh. Um, thanks for being here. I did have a question. You were talking, uh, this might be... I guess a little more drawn out. I don't know how quickly you can go through it, but you, your method for evangelizing to people you just see on the street, I'm always interested in hearing new perspectives or ways on how to do that and was curious if you could talk about that a little bit. I didn't quite hear the question, so one more time. Okay. Uh, just you talked about having your method or like kind of how you oh, will evangelize the people. Faith. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> well, the way I share my faith is um, I try not to go in the front door of somebody's life. I try to come in the side or back door. So you have to understand both my parents were atheists. My father died an atheist. My mother still is an atheist. So for somebody to get through to me, it wasn't coming through the front door of the church. I actually believed to go to church, you had to be a member to go in, like a country club. I didn't know you could just walk into a church. So I was nowhere when I started hearing about Christ. So the way I try to share my faith is through asking open-ended questions, probing questions. So like if I'm on a plane and somebody, I'll say, so what do you do for a living? Ah, oh, you know, I'm a, an attorney, yada, yada, yada. Okay. Well, what do you do? Um, I talk to teenagers about sex. 
and I stopped talking. Well, what do you mean? And in my heart, I'm thinking, if you keep asking these questions, you're going to get converted, okay? That's what I think about. I said, well, um, and I start to talk to them about what we do, but I always leave it short of the long version so they are asking the questions. They're asking me to convert them, if you will. And at some point, I bring up the fact that my parents are atheists. And I stop, and they go, well... Here's the question. Well, how, how, did you, how did you change? <laughs> Thank you very much for that question. And now I'm going to deliver the gospel, right? Um, and the way I share the faith is I, I'll say to them, I'll ask for permission. One of the things, by the way, I do is I say, because oftentimes we get into an argument. And in the middle of this conversation, I'll say, listen, if, if you just really want to argue about faith, I'm not really, I'm probably not the right guy to do that. Um, if you're searching, I'll stay here all day. But if you just want to kind of get into argument, uh, I'm not your guy. And I could leave it there, but then I ask a question. So are you searching? That's an evangelistic question. That's when you want to do something. You don't just leave it alone. You move in. Are you searching? Most people will say yes. I said, well, then let's continue the conversation. So what I'll do is I'll say, do you mind if I grab just a piece of paper because I can probably show you this a little easier on a piece of paper. I pull out a piece of paper. And very quickly what I do is I say, my parents were atheists. For me to find God really required a lot of faith. And I, I looked up God in the dictionary. Really? Yeah, I looked up God in the dictionary because whatever Webster says about all these other words, I believe it. So I figure, what's God? What's Webster say about God. And one of the things it says is he's perfect. So all I did is I just wrote on my piece of paper, God equals perfection. And the below and I say, I only know that by definition. I've never seen God. I only know God's perfect by definition. Pretty simple, right? Can't argue that, can you? And I'll ask the guy, do you, do you pretty much accept that? He goes, yeah, I guess. I mean, if God isn't perfect, none of us would be interested anyway, right? Right, okay. I said, how about me? I looked my name up in the dictionary and it wasn't in there. But I know I'm imperfect by example how I live my life. I said, that's not hard to, to understand. And I said, because of that, I can never go to heaven. What do you mean you can't go to heaven? Nobody can go to heaven. What religion are you? It's just the Christian faith. You can't go to heaven if you're not perfect because where God is is perfect. I said, for instance, if God were a glass of water, it was perfect water, and my life was a bottle of food coloring, every drop was a sin. If you just took one drop out of there, I just committed one sin in my life, you drop it in this glass of water, is that water perfect anymore? No. Can God be imperfect by definition? No. Then God can't allow that to happen, so you can't go to heaven. And I let him stew on that a little bit. That can't be true. I go, oh, well, that's the way it is. I said, unless, have you heard about Jesus? And I said, Jesus, and I put an equal sign, was he perfect or imperfect? And I'll ask the guy. I don't know. Well, he said he was God, right? Yeah. Well, then by definition, you haven't seen Jesus, have you? No. Okay, so only by definition we know Jesus is perfect, right? However, 
he lived on the earth for 33 years. So by example, was he perfect or imperfect? Did he commit any sins? He said, well, I don't know. I said, well, that changed my life. I looked for sins that Jesus committed. I didn't come up with any. Let's just try to list a couple of sins. I'll write one on my paper, two and three, and put a line. Let's just, go ahead, name a couple of sins Jesus committed. Good. I don't know any. I said, exactly. Nobody's known any for 2,000 years. If you want to destroy the Christian faith in one second, just find one sin Jesus committed. He was God. He was got to be perfect. He's a farce. You don't have to worship him. But if he is perfect, you need to change your life. And that's what happened to me, I say. So it took a perfect person to die for my sin. I'm doing this kind of fast right now because God's justice is perfect. So God had to justify. So Christ died for years of my sin and he had to be perfect to do that. Okay? And he goes, all right. I, I said, but how do you still get to heaven? He goes, I don't know. I said, I know the church really struggles to teach this, but I'm going to make this so easy for you. You're not going to believe it. He goes, show me. I said, have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, water, some in a little ice cube tray, ice, some in a steam kettle, steam, three forms of water, but it's all water, right? It's kind of an example of God. So God, the creator, Jesus, the ice, the healer, and then the Holy Spirit, the steam. You can't hold steam, but you can feel it in the locker room, right? You can feel steam. What happens is the Holy Spirit, the steam of God comes into your life, and that's what happened to me I, when I said I give my life to Christ, the Holy Spirit came in to my soul. So when God looks down from heaven, if he sees my soul, he sees imperfection. And he turns his face. But if he looks down from heaven and looks at my soul and the Holy Spirit's in there, he sees himself. He sees perfection. It's like looking into a mirror. And you can go to heaven because you are now made perfect by God. Because, wow, I never heard that before. Can I have that piece of paper? Every time they want the paper. And it's a scribbling thing, you know. So that's how I've been sharing my faith over the years. And then I'll say, if you ever want to give your life to Christ, you just need to say a prayer. Here's how you say it. And I tell them a little prayer to say. And I ask them, would you like to pray that now? Or do you want to think about it some more? And almost always they say they want to think about it some more. And I give him my number. I said, if you ever need somebody to pray that prayer with, I'll be praying with you. And I'll pray for you. So, Can you, can you tell me about your, your new side job? <laughs> and why, why you have a side job? Um, one of the things I didn't talk about in the leadership thing is I really believe in calling and uh, being called by God to do things and not just do things. Like, you don't just get called to, um, you know, a beach town in a really nice community because God's calling you down there, right? Okay? I believe you get called because God wants you to be somewhere and you stay where you are until God calls you somewhere else. You don't go anywhere until God says, I'm taking you out of here. So when I moved to Yuma, Arizona, I did not want to go. Until God said, okay, well, then my house went down the hill on a landslide, literally. I lost my house on a landslide. So I had no job and no house. And uh, uh, maybe we'll go to Yuma, Arizona, you know, because God got my attention, right? So calling's important. So for about the last four years, I realized that we had the person on our team 
to become the next president of Silver Ink thing. And I went to my board and said, look, I believe we have the person, and I am, I'm worried that somebody else would come and ask them to come work for them because he's a talented person, but more importantly, he's a called person. And um, so I think we need to start paying this person it, at an executive level so that he won't leave. So we literally stretched the organization at two executive level salaries, which I had to go fundraise for. But I wanted to keep this person. We began a secession plan four years ago. The last couple of years, <clears throat> people asked me, well, what are you going to do next? I said, well, I don't know. I definitely know I'm not going to retire if that's. And then I got cancer. A year and a half ago, I got a very deadly cancer. And um, I've had you know, two surgeries. I've had four bouts of chemo. I've had my kidney removed, my spleen removed, my adrenal gland removed, my retroperitoneal removed. This all happened in last December. And so when you have cancer, all of a sudden you realize, hey, your days on the earth are in the Lord's hands. <laughs> you know, you may think you believe that, but you don't really believe it until you really believe it. When I wake up in the morning, I'm happy to be alive now. Okay? So one of the things I kind of wanted to do, and I didn't know how to put it out there, is I wanted to go out to America as a chaplain of America. Not in a prideful way. I mean, I'm not saying I should be the chaplain of America. But I'd like to be a chaplain in America, available to people. However God moved it. So I would share that. Well, about a month and a half ago in New York City, one of my donors, I was sharing this with him, and he's selling his company for a lot of money. I said, what would you think about the legacy of your company, one of the legacies of your company, to be me being sent out to the country, kind of like a chaplain? And he said, well, what would you do? I said, I don't know. Well, then why would I fund it? I said, because you know me. And you know how God uses me, and you know how God works in my life, right? He goes, yeah. I'm just thinking about a legacy. Well, you have any idea what you would do? That's the only thing I can think about is what I was talking to your daughter about yesterday. She's worried that she's dating some guy. He's 39, she's 30, and they can't seem to get married. And they're like in this place, and they don't know where to go because they're not engaged, but they don't know where to get advice as to whether they're compatible or not. I said, I would probably start there. And his wife goes, that would be perfect. That's exactly what you should do. Yes, we'll fund that. So now they're going to fund me until I die, they told me. And so this went to one final place where there's a guy that is in my ministry that's very, very, very tech-oriented. We've been threatening to go into ministry together someday, right? I called him up. I said, the time has come. Are you ready? And he said, I'm ready. So what we're going to do is we're going to start a dating app, okay? Um, not like you would think of a dating app, but it's going to be a game. And you're going to go online and you'll play this game. You can play it on your phone or you can put on 3D goggles and actually go into the game. And the name of the game is going to be called Mirror, M-I-R-R-O-R. -R -R. What happens is you'll come into the game and you'll run into a mirror and you'll be asked, look at yourself. The first thing is, look at yourself. Who are you? And what are you looking for? And then you'll answer a couple questions and you'll go through that mirror as if it were a door and you'll come up to maybe five more mirrors and say, so how do you want to date in your life? You want to have sex with everybody you see? Go through that mirror. 
But we're going to be influencing and guiding people to want to have a blessed marriage. That's our goal. It's going to be up front. We're in it to see marriages be blessed. So we're going to be trying to influence in this game. If you don't mind, I'll just share one more story. So I became an Uber driver um, about, I don't know, three months ago. And it was another God thing. I, I didn't realize when I was doing that that God was setting it up so I could do research with millennials. But then I looked back and saw God's hand on it. So I picked up this one guy in Moon Township. And I was driving him downtown. And, you know, what do you do? And I'm, I do software. Like, what do you do? I said, well, I'm starting this dating app. He goes, really? And I go, yeah. What's that all going to be about? He said, well, do you mind if I ask you some research questions? No, go ahead. I said, do you mind if I get personal? He goes, no, I don't care. You sure? He goes, yeah. Are you sure you're sure? Yeah. I said, all right. First question, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. <coughs> Next question, do you want God someday to bless your marriage? He goes, yeah, well, that's what we're trying to figure out. That's why we've been living together for seven years. I said, now here comes the personal question. All right. What do you think God thinks about you guys living together? He paused, you know. He's sitting right next to me in the car. Uh, he's probably not into it. He probably doesn't agree with it. I said, but you said you wanted him to bless your marriage, right? He says, yeah. I said, that's what this game's going to do. It's going to take what you say you want and ask you how you're behaving and try to influence your behavior through the side door, not in a conf- confrontational way. You're even going to be able to go on a date in the game. You'll have like an avatar body, but your face, and you go to the restaurant and have a cup of coffee and talk to this person you met. Or if you go in as a couple, you can go in as a couple too. So, to be on the lookout, we'll send you an address for this, and you guys can go through it. It'll be fun. Other questions? Any more news? Denny, first off, just thanks for uh, being here today. We really appreciate it. So a common theme uh, throughout a lot of your answers to your question is passion and calling. And, uh, it's obvious to everyone in this room that you have found your passion, you have found your calling, and that's made you the great leader that you are today. I'm just wondering, um, obviously as a starting point, we have our faith, right? That's the purpose we're all here. But for all of us kind of in our younger stages of life, what advice do you have just in terms of, you know, finding that calling on your life, you know, maybe more specifically than just Christianity and bringing people to the gospel? Appreciate it. Well, calling is... You really don't know you're called until you look back and see you were called. So it requires faith. So calling starts with stepping out into faith. And that takes courage. So if you're constantly fearful, you probably won't do that. The best definition I ever heard about faith was that there was a father and a son walking into a cave. And they got about 10 feet into the cave and they came to a drop down. And they didn't know how far down it was because they couldn't see it was too dark. So the father said, I'm going to climb down to see how far down it is. And I'll tell you. So the father climbed down about 8 or 10 feet. And he looks up at his son and says, okay, go ahead and jump. I'll catch you. And his son said, well, I can't see you. He says, that's okay. He goes, well, how do I know you'll catch me? 
Well, have, I, have I ever dropped you before? No, well, then jump. But I can't see you. And the father says, but I can see you. Because his silhouette, you know, from the light at the, at the end of the cave. So you, whether you jump or not is faith, right? Or you drive down the street and there's a yellow line. You have a lot of faith. That car's not going to come across and run into you. So faith is the starting point, the calling. And then acting on the faith is what gets you to calling. And I'll give you one little nugget, if you will, that I use a lot. Um, You know the old saying, um, count your blessings. But what I say is count your blessings, but be curious about the ones you don't see because there's more. Count your blessings, but be curious about the ones you don't see because there are actually more. God wants to bless you. And some of those blessings are to take you places and do things with you. So I was driving a girl to the airport. Her friend had committed suicide, and the mother had asked me if I'd take her to the airport. They played volleyball with my daughters in college, and I was bringing her up to the Pittsburgh airport after the volleyball game. She was about five minutes late. We're coming up 79. All these lights are blinking at us. And so I slow down. I think there's a cop, you know. Meanwhile, there's this massive accident up over the hill. And we go through the accident. And I said to this girl, I said, you were five minutes late, right? She goes, yeah. I said, so if you were on time, there's a chance we might have been in that accident, right? I said, we need to count our blessings. We counted that blessing and accepted it because I was curious about it. Otherwise, I would just driven through the accident like everybody else. So act on faith, step out in faith, and count your blessing and be curious because you'll see the calling in the rearview mirror. That's what happened with Uber, for instance. I started Uber in the craziest way, I don't have time to tell you, but nobody, including myself, understands why I'm Ubering. Doesn't make sense, okay? But I go out on Friday night like I did last night, Saturday night, and I Uber, people are F-bombing my car up, and I mean, all this stuff's going on. And I love every second of it. I love driving these people around because I'm learning so much and I'm learning about my calling and I'm growing. So, but I didn't realize God had set that up till this whole thing fell in place over here and I look back and go, because I was curious, that's why I'm Ubering. So I can do research. But if I wasn't curious, I would have never put those two things together, see? So faith act on faith and be curious about blessings. I have one question, but someone else says you can go take their last one. Laura, do you have a question too? You can go. All right, we'll do you too. Um, I know you personally, so um, I know... What does that mean? (laughs) I've worked for Denny, so um, something you didn't touch on, but I, I know about you is you have raised three incredible, confident amazing young women um, that even though they're younger me I I admire a lot Um, what's something that you've seen in doing Silver Ring thing because you look at the family dynamic all day um, that millennials now who are raising families are missing and that's something in your leadership as a husband and a father that you would you would like to see millennials take on and take charge of in raising families? Well, you have to have the hand of God on your family. 
you know, because um, you can quote unquote do everything right and have your children <clears throat> really screw up and, and really get into problems. Um, so without the hand of God, believe me, you're not, none of us are got our act together enough to figure out how to parent children without God's help. One of the great, great things about Silver Ink things, I have thousands of people who pray for me. I mean, literally thousands. And um, pray for my family. So, to be very honest with you, my children didn't really have much of a chance to not be spiritually together, because there's just too much prayer bombing, bombing God up in heaven, right? I mean, it's just they're getting bombarded constantly with faithful people praying for my family. You can't get enough of that. People praying for your family. Can't get enough of it. Number two, when you, um, when you pick people to be involved in your family, such as a babysitter, be very intentional. Be very intentional. We always pick somebody that was making it in their environment, in the school, whatever. They were fully engaged in the school, but loved Christ. Because we wanted our kids to see that you could be quote-unquote normal and yet serious about Christ. And then, of course, we had Silver Ring thing where we're attracting these incredible people from all over the country to come in and, and travel, and they're all coming through our families' lives, you know, churning through the families' lives. So my children had always seen from day one that Christianity could be normal, yet fully in. And um, a lot of parents, I think, think that if you kind of isolate your kid and you protect your kid and you build a fort around your kid spiritually and just get them as much stuff as you can get them into, as opposed to leadership coming into their lives from all around you. So we chose that kind of leadership route of getting people involved in their lives that they could themselves identify as I could, I could be like that person and I could be like that person and I like, I like that person. Because whether we like it or not, you look at somebody and you follow them because you like them. You might say, well, they say the right things and they got to, no, you like them. <laughs> you know, you like them. That's why we end up, it's, I went to Washington, D.C. to raise money for Silver Ring thing from senators. And my um, lobbyist told me, basically, at the end of the day, if they like you, they'll give you money. I said, yeah, what else? No, that's about it. <laughs> what? Yeah, if they like you and like what you're doing, they'll give you money. It's not about your budget and your research and all this stuff, you know. So it sounds kind of shallow, maybe, um, but we would... I don't know if this is good or bad to say, but after church, we'd go to church every week. We would go out to brunch every single Sunday, forever. We still do it. And my daughters are 28, 26, 24. We still go to brunch every Sunday. We don't go to Sunday school because we're so involved in the ministry that we felt like that might be too much. And it was better for us to be a family going to brunch. So we made that decision early on. That's not right for everybody, just work for us, so.
What's up, everybody? And thank you so much for listening to our question and answer session with Denny Patton. We really hope that it added value to your life. If you'd like to learn more about connecting with Denny and Silver Ring Thing and what they're doing, you can go to the show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 118. Again, if you didn't get to hear Denny's talk from um, the, the breakfast, you can actually go back and listen to it in episode one, 117. And you would just go to l3leadership.org forward slash episode 117 to do that. If you want to stay in touch with, with L3 Leadership and keep up with everything that we're doing, you can sign up for our email list on our website, l3leadership.org, and you'll also get a free copy of my ebook, Making the Most of Mentoring, which is my step-by-step process for getting meetings with mentors and leaders, and uh, I, I promise you it'll add a lot of value to your life. Um, so I encourage you to sign up for that, and I want to thank our other sponsor, 068, led by my friend Daniel Bull. And they actually start companies with ex-convicts is what they do, uh, which is just unbelievable. And they are transforming lives on a daily basis. And if you're interested in seeing some of the stories and the companies that have been started, you can go to 068.org, all spelled out, 068.org to learn more. And again, if this podcast has added value to your life, we'd really appreciate if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps us grow the podcast. I know you have lots of choices between what you listen to, so the fact that you would take time to listen to our podcast really means a lot. So thank you for that. And as always, I like to leave with a quote. And I've been quoting Henry Cloud a lot, but he said this, and this is just a challenge for you today. He said, pick one person who needs it and love them in an extraordinary way today. I hope someone comes to mind. I hope that you'll love them in an extraordinary way. And I hope you have a great week as you grow and develop as a leader. Hope you have a great week again. (laughs) Thanks for listening and being a part of L3 Leadership, Laura, and I appreciate you so much. See ya.